Welcome to the Nightly Strange, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, DMAC Uno. Special guest in the building, JT the Bigger Figure. Give it up for me, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up. What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, how you doing today? Man, I'm feeling good, man. Happy to be here on this good, you know, October 16th. Um, it's, it's the anniversary of the Million Man March in 1995. Uh, it's it's similar uh, to what Martin Luther King did um, with the with the march on Washington, and um, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said it's time for the black man to atone, and we're going to use this day to atone for our past sins of what we did in our community, what we done to our families. Let's atone to God and ask Him to help us as black men be better fathers, husbands, you know, better assets to our community and to do something positive. So this day is a significant day. So I, I, it's only right that I, you know, started off with, I'm happy to be here talking to another black man yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Like I knew a couple of people that went to the Million Man March back in the day and it changed their lives. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they got it together. They were like, yo, it was so, it was so moving to see a million black people, black men there. You know what I'm saying? All for the same yeah. cause. Yes, man. Yes, bro. And I got some exclusive footage of that also that I'm going to uh, put up on my page and on my channel today um, just to show people, uh, like, man, I'm standing in the middle of this crowd looking at nothing but black men look like we're in Africa. I'm, I live in Africa right now. But yeah, that yeah. Footage, it remind me of Africa. Everybody black in the whole... <laughs> I'm talking about... It ain't nobody else there but black men there, bro. It's, it was some ladies, a few ladies popped up. Of course, they want to see the guys. But yeah. it was all black men, and it was no fighting. It was all the gangs was there. Crip, Blood, GDBD, you know, Vice Lords was there. Uh, black Panthers was there, you know. Um, yeah. So it, it, it definitely um, made, me, it made me appreciate being black, and it made me feel like I want to work for my people. So why why are you living in Africa? What what why was the choice to move there? I came here in 2007 with Snoop Dogg, so I got introduced uh, to to Lagos, Nigeria. Um, that was my first stop in Africa to see the African culture, and um, I think that's when it, it, it. I think the spark started when I came here with Snoop. Like to come be invited with him. He had a show with Beyonce and Jay-Z and um, just the whole what I experienced there, it opened my mind up to the possibilities of just networking with Africa, like at least the visit. Yeah. 2017, I get invited 10 years later to another place called Burkina Faso, not that far from the Nigeria. It's also West Africa. And um, I got invited to play a part in um, bringing information pertaining to the rap game, um, pertaining to independent movies, uh, pertaining to marketing and distribution. They had wanted me to come be part of a delegation of business people that all did different things. And my part was to talk about rapping and helping their artists to be independent and um, so on that trip, I ended up paying for a water well because I seen the need in Africa and I remember seeing Oprah do it, you know, and I remember seeing Jay-Z do it. 
So as a, as as me thinking of a black man to help my people, they said we don't want the money. We need help with getting water. So if you want to do something for us, if you help us do that, we happy with that. I was like, whoa, well, how much is it? Man, it was 6700 And I happened to have that money with me. And I paid for it right there. And I got to see him drilling it. And it's just that experience of like helping, knowing like, you know, in America, in Atlanta, Georgia, you could spend $6,000 from Friday to Sunday buying clothes, yeah. buying tables at the club, buying bottles, throwing some ones to the strippers. Um, uh, just just enjoying yourself. You could accidentally or on purpose spend five to $10,000 enjoying yourself in Miami or in Atlanta or Las Vegas or Los Angeles. Yeah. And I thought about, imagine in America how, how easy it is to spend this type of number when you got a, a whole village right here that if people knew, you could pay $6,000 and these people got free water, nigga, for years and years and years to come because you built a water well. So my experience there in 2017, I was like, you know what? I've been on a mission to help my people in America, but this is a new frontier. Yeah. What if I moved over here? What if I got an apartment in Africa? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. started visualizing, like, I think I want to come back and get a blessing from God to go help poor people that don't have the money to buy their own water wheel. Let me buy some water wells. So in 2019, I moved back, bought some land, and built another water well, and I began living there. Uh, COVID-19 hit around January 2020. I moved there October 7, 2019. And then um, when COVID hit, even if I wanted to come back to America, <laughs> oh, your ass is too late now. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. end up being there 15 months in Burkina Faso. But I was loving it because I said I wanted to move here. So I, I I was helping buy rice and food. And, you know, I started doing concerts. They speak a whole other language. I'm doing a concert for people that don't even hardly understand English. And they just like, but they I just did. jamming. They jamming. So uh, 2021, I think I had enough of being in the country where I don't understand what they're saying because I had a translator that talked for me, yeah. that moved me around. So it made it easy. And I was the only black American there. So my name popping in this new country just because I'm from America. They put me on TV. I'm on the radio station. I'm like, damn. In America, it costs money to get on TV and the radio. It's, Over it's here, sure they, do. they put me on a fucking national TV. They put me on national news. I'm like, ooh, all I got to do is keep going. But I realized they're never going to understand English. They fucking talk French and they talk local African language. So, JT, I think you better find another country. Ghana was my first choice. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I didn't have my paperwork right to go there. And That's where I was going to go to, Ghana. Yeah. Yep, Ghana. And then my friend told me, hey, man, I'm in, um, I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. And this is Sid from Black Market from Sacramento that had Brother Lynch hung in them. He got 50 fucking rappers signed to his label over here. He one of the biggest record labels in this fucking country. And he like, Jay, come over here. They talk English. They listen to Black American rap. 
Nigga, they dress like us, they look like us. It's like being in America, but you you in Africa still. Where, I came where, where over Kenya? Nairobi, Kenya. Nairobi. Nairobi is the capital city, and this is the New York City of Africa. Now, Nigeria could be considered this similar or bigger because they got a bigger population, bigger GDP. Uh, all the big stars from Africa come from out of Nigeria and South Africa. They have a lot of money there. Um, this country don't have as much money, but they develop like fucking America, though. It looked like Atlanta, Los Angeles, and New York City mixed into one place. So when I came here in January 2021, I'm like, this is where I'm moving to. So I moved here in January 2021, and I've been here ever since. And um, the way America started going, it started looking like this a, a gift from God that he gave me a new idea to be somewhere away from all of the stuff that I see happening in America right now with yeah. all the dead rappers. You know, of course, they tried to kill me in 2017. They tried to kill me in 2013. You know, these is assassination attempts or these is shootings. But if somebody shoots you, they were trying to kill you. They weren't shooting you to, like, just send a message. Yeah. So I take it as two assassination attempts. Um, I just started seeing life in America for me wasn't adding up to what I was looking for uh, in terms of what my, you know, what your expectation of what your life should be. Yeah. I think that I think that I ran my course in America and this new frontier is going to be harder to to do but if I do it I go down in history like Marcus Garvey I go down in history like somebody from America who started networking with Africa back in the, you know back in the days yeah. it was different people but the biggest name I could think of Marcus Garvey started buying boats and shit uh, selling back to America, trying to, you know, put black people, helping them come to Ghana yeah. from fucking America. And um, similar circumstances of why would Marcus Garvey tell black Americans to leave America if this shit doing better than Africa? Because over there, you could start from scratch and build your world. You could build your city. You could build your house. You could build your neighborhood from scratch and work with like-minded other black people and don't deal with racism. Don't deal with yeah. uh, so much black-on-black -black violence. Like in Africa, it's not popular to kill your to kill your brother. You might fight him, but it's not popular to kill each other out here. Now, tribal wars in some countries where there's, you know, different warring type shit. Okay, they don't like this tribe and this tribe, and they've been killing each other for 30 years, 20 years, because they hate each other. That, uh, that concept over here, they do got a couple tribes that don't like each other, but they still live in peace. So, so I also want to ask you that too. Like, how does your soul feel now living in Africa? Because, I mean, compared to living in America, it's like, you know... Like you go, you leave your house in America every day, knowing you could die as a black man. You know what I'm yes. saying? And yes. Every day. So I'm, I'm like, how is your soul feeling now that you live in Africa? Um, I think I feel more like a regular black man that's a human being than a savage or a demon or a thug nigga or a street nigga. You know, I live up under the term street nigga when I'm in America because that's a certain class of black man. We gonna get it how we live. Yeah. Uh, we gonna get down what we get mad at. Um, we're going to defend ourselves and we will attack. So 
but living under that, knowing you could go to you could go to prison for defending yourself, a nigga could attack you, you kill him, and you still can go to prison. Yeah. A certain state, like why did you have a gun anyway? You know. Um, so I think the human being, the human being side of, I don't look at black people that I see as a motherfucker that's gonna kill me, even though they might look like they might try to rob me. Cause they just look hard. It's like you want to see some hard faces. Come to Africa and just go through the marketplace, and you'll see black people looking at you, or some niggas that might be looking at you, but they won't even bother you. But but how they face look? Yeah, man, this look like this one of the most dangerous places in the world. And then you say, "What's up, my brother?" And then they be like, "Oh, what's up, brother?" They waiting for you to say something too. So me knowing, I'm in their country. If I get into certain places where his brothers is at. I always salute and be like, what's up, brother? You know, we say Niaji. And then you, then they say Poisana. Niaji, like, what's up? Niaji. Or Mambo. Mambo is like, what's up? When you meet people. A person saying Poa, when I say Poa, that means I'm okay. Poisana means I'm very well. I'm really okay. So these is greetings. I say, when you go to a country, the first thing you need to learn is, what do y'all say when you meet somebody? <laughs> What's the words y'all say? If I don't know nothing else, I know that. So when I say them words, it break the ice of, I'm a stranger, I'm in your neighborhood, but I just use your language to talk to you, so it automatically gets you that dap. Yeah. Coming from another black man. You could say what's up to somebody in America, another black man, he's like, nigga, what, what you mean, what's up, nigga? I don't yeah. know you. Like yeah. you could get a cold shoulder that come with extra words of violence or damn. Or just that nigga, like I'm... like you're saying you're walking through the marketplace in America, if someone's staring at you and you don't say if you say what's up to them, they don't say what's up back, it's on. You know what I'm saying? Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. So so um I um just I, I feel better. I, I I feel more relaxed. I feel more at peace. I feel more um, of, I feel like I got a chance to make it with a little bit more longevity. I feel unbothered. I feel unpressed by people like out here in Africa. For whatever reason, people out here like to mind their own fucking business. Even a poor man is selling cigarettes, socks or something, right? Yeah. You got some you got some people out here that, that do the panhandling. But the majority of the people, they all got something for sale. I'm like, wow, this is a hustling ass goddamn because if you don't work out here, there is no unemployment, my brother. Yeah. There is no section there's no section eight. Okay. No social um, program safeties. Safety net. They don't have no welfare that give free money. So that's out the question. All right, what else they don't have? They just started child support, I think, last year or this year. Ooh, that's hard. Now they, <laughs> so now they go after the black men. Because out here, these black men will get a woman pregnant and be like, I'm done with you. Damn. And, th- and then go get a new girl pregnant. Kind of similar in America. A lot of guys be doing that. Okay, yeah. I got this baby mama. I got that baby mama. You know what I mean? Like that whole baby mama thing. Yeah. Um, but, but, but this the other downside. You got a whole population of women with no husband, no man, and a baby or two, and they be having to do anything to get money because there is no welfare. Yeah. So prostitution become a big, big.
business out here like America. You know what I mean? The sex trade out here is booming. So I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so back in the day, so you came, you were coming out of San Francisco making music. Was it hard to get recognized out there, or was it just like off the strength of your hustle? Uh, I think San Francisco definitely was overlooked as a popular place. I think LA got the deals. Yeah. Um, Too Short in the early days and MC Hammer and Spice One are the early names that I can think of that was signed to Jive Records and MCA Records. There was no one else that had those type of deals. So my earliest thought of a fucking major artist that's from there, it would be Too Short. Yeah. Second, second, it would be Spice One. Third, it would be E40. He the first guy to get a three million dollar deal in '94 mm. with Jive Records, a joint venture. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, coming from San Francisco, we didn't have nobody. So, major artist deal. I think me and Rapping Fote are the first artists to sign to a major label from the rap community from San Francisco. That's dope. So we like and before then, that, R- and then RBL, and then RBL Posse. But the early days, 1992, the only rapper from our neighborhood name was Hugh MC. And then in Lakeview, you had uh, Cool Nut and IMP. But that was it. It was those two only for the early coming. You know, coming out the 80s. Yeah. A- 89, Cool Nut and Hugh MC both had music out. You know, they, they both had cassette tape out and they had their records. So that's, but that's 89. But it still wasn't popping yet. There was no rap scene. It was only those two fucking rappers. So they had all the power, all the juice, all the focus. When Too Short put Rapping Fote on his album, Don't Fight the Feeling on that song, that put a San Francisco artist on the he the first feature on a platinum record is Rapid Forte so those was my early uh, um, uh, reference points to what does success mean as a rapper Hugh MC Kugnut Rapid Forte okay if you fast forward from 89 to 94 uh, 92, I put out two tapes, Don't Stop Till We Major. RBL Posse kicked off the new Frisco movement, which RBL Posse, then JT came behind that, Selsky came behind that, then I put out the GLP behind that, then San Quinn, Demo Self. You know, in 94, I put out more new artists than anybody ever in the whole Northern California, ever, more than E-40, more than everybody. I put Demo out, I put the GLP out, San Quinn, Seth the Gabler, and then in, no, in November of 93, I put out players in the game. So basically, I just had a, a run of a producer as an artist. I'm an executive producer. I'm a manager. I'm the only nigga in my crew with a driver license. I got the car. <laughs> I drive us around. Like, I was the the youngest nigga that do everything. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just uh, telling you, I was like, man, Got the Empire contract from you, you know, and I uh, was filling it out and I just, you know, wanted to know more about how it worked and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, the most important part about digital distribution, whether it's Empire, TuneCore, CD Baby, uh, DistroKid, uh, InGrooves, Orchard, all of these platforms are very, very similar. 
the benefit I think with Empire is the ability to communicate with a staff member and actually get a response and get your matter resolved. Um, the blueprint that I used to be successful with a digital distribution was bulk rate product. That means compilations with 20 songs, 30 songs, 15 songs, 12 songs. Uh, me still pushing my product as, a, as for my own career, dropping JT the bigger figure. I moved to Atlanta. I started rapping up under the name Big Panamera. Uh, these things helped me to actually generate the income to that where money actually can come because I started paying for features with artists that was hot and I put them with my songs and I've always blended up multi-products like I always done throughout my career. But now with this thing called digital distribution, I don't have to press up tapes no more. I don't have to press up CDs no more. I don't have to drive to every store. All I got to do is utilize my computer and my production and my recording uh, uh, facility to keep making some type of product and then loading it into the system. I started gathering songs that was already made with other artists. I started buying songs, licensing songs, getting free songs, but I always just get songs and then I put my own cover to it, give it a, a clever title. And um, I see that my biggest success was uh, releasing multiple products all at the same time, no street dates, no setup time, none of that shit. Soon as I finished mixing and mastering, I load it up with the cover and I go to the next product. You know, um, of course, those that are doing it for the first time or you still young in the game or early with this shit, you're going to take your time. You're going to do your first album. You're going to work your singles. You know, you try to get some placements through uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, uh, getting getting on them playlists I have yet to do. Yeah. But those that but those that take the time to contact Spotify or work with a, a person that's middlemaning that can get you on those playlists, that is definitely something that is very valuable to new artists and to projects. Of course, you could put out an album with 30 songs, but one of them is what's going to get you noticed. So spending the money on the song that gets you noticed um, that is something that I would call uh, uh, added formula to the original formula of flooded. No matter what I do with all that Spotify shit, that's cool. I need to make sure I have as much product within the system registered so that means every view for any of the songs all come back to my account. So mathematically, yeah. mathematically it makes sense. But the downside to doing it, the formula that I'm talking about, the downside is uh, Spotify be want 10 days, 12 days, 15 days, 20 days. They don't want you to put it out until they put it out. They mm -hmm. want the, you know what I mean? Like yeah, Apple yeah. Music, if you want to be placed at the top, then you can't put your shit out on this day. You got to wait to this day because if it's out already, they don't feel like they got new products. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I heard like if you put a single out on Friday, they'll put it in a certain playlist. But if you drop it like anytime during the week, it kind of just gets buried or whatever. Well, actually, Friday is the release date of all of the platforms except the product on Friday, or they got the product prior to Friday, starting on Monday, Tuesday. I actually loaded some up this Thursday. 
and it came out Friday. My new artist called Lafayette Two Five Four, my first African artist. And um, but we not on no playlist, no promo, no nothing. So now I'm gonna take the approach of okay, yeah, I might have missed the playlist right now. You know, the pre-playlist, I probably missed that. That's gone. But I can still spend money on certain songs to increase the visuals of my artists so that I got to pick the right song to put some money behind with the video or the promo on YouTube or on Instagram or Facebook or Google AdSense. These things that you could spend your own money on, now you're still in a good position, because but you just got to spend the money yeah. to put your product on these front pages. Um, um, you were also, um, you were also saying... Um, that like like artists shouldn't just like make it a promo thing where like yo I got this album coming out in two months and keep pushing. You say oh. they should just man listen <laughs> that concept that concept is a major label concept, but most independents kind of still f- follow that blueprint. Yeah. Um, money and timing are two things that puts your product in a good place. Timing is you're giving Spotify, Apple Music, or whoever set up time to put, put you in their system, all right? Yeah. Okay, okay, That's that. these are the two things. Timing, were you working with an agent, a manager, or whoever that point person is that's connecting you with these different platforms and then they want time. The other side is the money you spend is also valuable based upon, okay, maybe I didn't have the time. I want my shit out now like I just did. It came out Friday. It's Sunday. Been out two days. No promo. But it's live. Right? Yeah. On this hard drive, on this hard drive is that album converted now with video, with, with, a, with, with the album cover and each song now that I'm going to load on YouTube to make available, right? Mm. Now, to catch some traction with one of these songs, I have the ability to spend with YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or Google AdSense, right? Yeah. I could spend 50 bucks, 100 bucks. I could spend 200 bucks. I spent $120 with Google AdSense for YouTube, uh, for one of the videos to be promoted. I see that it, it reached a certain, like I got to like maybe 85,000, something like that. And I spent like $120 though, right? Yeah. But the, but the way you could set your commercials up, it could be skippable commercial or non-skippable commercial. Wow. So I don't know, you know, if, if you got YouTube premium, then you don't get, you don't see that. But for people who don't got premium, they got the, the new shit is some shit is mandatory. You got to watch it for that for the time, and then some shit is skippable. So, um, your 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 combination of settings within your promo and your demographic. Are you going for OG niggas? Are you going for the kids? Is you going for the twenty year old? Like, you want more ladies? Or do you want more men? See, now you get into the point where that playlist would have helped your ass. But the formula of 
sometimes you just can't bank on waiting two months to put your fucking album out and that bitch is mastered and you doing a major label type of release. Yeah. I don't I don't agree with that. But if Gazi's Gazi made me do that, even though it wasn't no big promo, he said, JT, I need the album complete, mix and master the artwork. I need you to load it in the system, but I need a pre-release date and I'm only releasing one song. But I want a street date, JT. And I don't want no street date like you told about six, seven days. I want that bitch two weeks from now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah. I didn't, I, I, to me, I felt like he should have let me put that bitch out September 2nd. But to him having a certain knowledge that I don't have, he said, I want this shit on iTunes, pre, uh, pre-order, one song available for sale, and I want it to come out too. I said, all right, fuck you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I did that. I did that, right? Um dealing with Empire, I haven't flooded the campaign yet. I just gave him this album. He got a few other albums from back in the day, some little shit. But let's talk about the Africa shit. He's telling me, JT, the shit in Africa is bigger than the shit in America. You absolutely, you in a head start. You got a head start. So why you think about doing this American shit, JT? And and, and, and I know you're doing your JT album shit, but you need to do this project like a compilation. And you need to uh, let even let some of them artists be in front of you, JT. And you prepare yourself to blend to the back and find the star so we can go ahead and really do the big thing. Now, that was kind of an insult to me, but it's not. JT, I know you don't really care about rapping and shit, so you're not going to give the raps the way that a, a hungry nigga, like, you're going to deliver, but yeah. you're not delivering to, to, to compete. You're delivering to just be who you are which I always been comfortable but he said where you at in Africa the money is in one of them them guys that you over there with find the right one deliver the content and let's create the situation that you absolutely looking for but it's gonna come through one of them guys you got your album I just put out got 27 songs it's all features of African artists yeah so that gave me some power in this country right now that I see I got more power now than I had last year. Because now when I go on the street, somebody be like, JT, what's up, man? I'll be like, damn, okay, this shit working, nigga. Yeah. I'm going in random places, way on the other side of town, way over here. And somebody like, hey, you JT Young. I'm like, damn, this shit's starting to pick up now. <laughs> nice. so, 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 so my marketing plan wasn't so much about how much money or even a setup time, even though Gazi, he didn't spend no budget on my shit. He just he just set me up, made sure everything was on point, and now I'm lining up to see how do I spend this money. And I think he just wanted to see what it's gonna do naturally on its own. Yeah. Okay, and that's what he did. Say a little bit of that because I've been pressing him for the budget now, but at the same time, I'm like, well, hold on. Let me stick to my approach of dropping multiple products because that was part of our conversation, not just my album. You know what I mean? So me telling the labels who about to come, I got to tell you the same thing. Have multiple products. I don't care if your little nigga got six songs and he just mediocre. That still counts. I don't care. Nothing is wasted in digital. Right. Yeah. Huh? 
I, I just I wanted to add. So I worked with like Bar and, and D Boy and uh man like hello just different. I'm I'm in Sacramento right now, right? So I mean, I'm right there. I know Black Dre. You know I done this stuff for Shooter Gang, Coney, uh, all these. You know what I'm saying all these heavy hitters and uh just soda pop. You know what I mean? All, all type of people. You know. So it's like uh I hear what you're saying. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take that multi compilation project approach. That right there. You could do split sheets to make life easy. Yeah. Using your platform through Empire, you could flood so much shit through there, especially based on that split sheet shit where some guys probably got an album they didn't sign with nobody yet. And you're like, yo, you ain't got to sign with me, but I'll put it out. We split it according to whatever, you know, y'all work out. Some of the niggas that you might talk to might already have a couple dollars to spend on some, but you got the platform. You got an 80-20. If you if you do if you got an 80 20 and you come back to me and say, I want to get them other 10% from you, JT, and I just want the, the 90 10 with guys, I'm gonna open it up for niggas to do that, and all I gotta do is send an email. Yeah. Because then that, that'll give the labels more, more room to be able to give a nigga more. The reason right. why the, the the reason why I'm doing the 80 20, because that's better than some spots that's 70 30 and i'm doing it based upon gazi like jt you known for finding somebody nigga so let me give you this deal and you just give the paperwork to whoever you want they'll send it to us you approve it and then we'll go ahead and process them and they, and then you'll make 10 percent on anything you bring and we'll make 10 percent because he said i'm not giving no more uh 90 tens i'm doing that for you but when he did that, the concept was find hella people, man. Go on and do that and just be like an AR and give whatever labels and artists you think could be something. So when I said, I'm gonna charge 150 registration because every time it's time to turn that shit in, they're gonna be calling me, nigga. They're gonna be asking me, type this in, JT, to verify what is the real. So every email, them niggas send me an email like, JT, is this person, is this verified? So I was like, okay. 150 is cool um, because this is guaranteed. This ain't no deal where you shopping to Empire. This is you getting a for sure deal. So even your niggas out there where you at, you might say, Fig, I got 10 guys in my spot, bro. These niggas finna die and crash out out here. They rappers, but if I can get them that same contract, bro, I got some young niggas I think I need to give a contract because that might make a nigga stay in the house and work on their music more to put their shit out. So, yeah. If I could help Sacramento, like I'm helping Richmond, it's over 100 niggas from Richmond right now got that motherfucker. Some turned it in and some didn't. But if I found somebody from Sacramento that's like, hey, I got some crash out niggas that might finna die. They worth something, but they not taking this shit serious. If they, if, if we can get them some contracts, bro, then you could damn near be talking to them niggas about staying alive. It's, it make more sense now. Your conversation make more sense now. Cause if you can get a nigga getting a thousand dollars a month off his account, he gonna thank you forever. Sure. Cause that's that's hope. That puts hope in their in their yes, hearts and their minds. They you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be going on. A, I'm gonna be going on a rant telling all the niggas who got their distribution. Nigga, don't get killed before you get your first check. Cause Man. you know, niggas will still be out there doing that other shit. So the whole thing, I'm not trying to tell niggas what to do. I'm just inviting niggas to what I like call God plan. 
and all God plan mean is use the talents he gave you for free the idea he gave you for free the dream he gave you for free that you see in your head that maybe everybody else don't but that motherfucker real if you stay alive and out of jail and cut out some of your evil shit and focus on the thing that's not gonna send you to prison rapping ain't gonna send you to prison Thanks. Yeah. So, so JT, um, JT, you you've put on so many artists, and that's what we're, we're doing. you're just talking about now, helping putting people on. And I remember, like, um, I first heard the game through one of your mixtapes when you made it. It was his, uh, his mixtape. It was, was his mixtape with him and Nas, and it was yes. through you. And so, can you tell my yes. audience? Can you tell my audience um, a lot of the uh, other artists you've worked with? Shit, when Daz Dillinger was stuck on death row, I got him off and showed him the independent game. Then from there, uh, uh, it was it was it was the outlaws. They saw what I did for Daz. Then I brought them to Bayside, and boom, they was on. Um, Mitchie Slick started his label. I brought him to Bayside, got him on. Rich the Factor, I produced his first album, set up some shit for him in, in Kansas City, got him on. Zay Tobin, I taught him how to make beats. He knew how to play keyboards from church. I bought him his first MPC and Triton keyboard. He moved to Atlanta in 2000, but we worked the whole 1999, and he became a, a great producer. I, I put the Migos and Young Thug and Future in their first independent film called The Independent Game. After that film came out, all them niggas got deals, and it was through the roof. Kevin Gates, when he got out of jail, I did his first distribution deal for his first project when he got out of prison, and then Warner Brothers came and got him from me, and that's another person I put on. So... Those are just a few of the names yeah. um, and people that I played a significant part at a critical time. I'm not saying I'm responsible for their success. I'm just saying I'm part of their kickoff. Yeah, that's dope right there. So uh, going back to um, Empire, are you, you do you own it with Gazi or are you just the A&R? No, Gazi is the is the owner I own Traplix Traplix got a deal with Empire like anybody else my deal is 90-10 and then Gazi was like open your pipeline up and let other niggas in and just do take 10% like I'm taking and we'll give them their money direct from Empire I'm yeah. like nigga this is the easiest sweetest deal ever let's do it <laughs> so Traplix is that that's kind of like a Netflix thing or is that just the label yeah I have an app and, and I make movies up under Traplix. That's my that's my software and my um, my social media uh, platform. You could go check it out right now. It's Traplix.com. Um, if you got an Android phone, the app is already in the uh, Android store. Um, it's being updated as we speak from Kenya. It was made in Africa. Um, but all my movies on there, you know, I shot all the movies. So also, I want to ask, um, so is there any game, any other game you can give to like new artists that are trying to make it, but they don't feel they, you know, have, can get out of their little towns, get out of their cities, be seen in the spotlight or anything? The fastest way for an independent artist to be seen in their city, in their region, is to make an independent film. That's why Traplix, when I went to Atlanta and made the movie with Young Thug and Rich the Kid and Amigos, before anybody knew him, everybody knew him from the movie before you knew that, you know, before they blew up. So uh, uh, doing independent films is just, is just the second step of being a rapper. Yeah. Ice Cube showed us that, LL Cool J showed us that, like the early guys who was famous rappers and then they made a movie like Tupac, Ice Cube, 
uh, Nas, uh, DMX, Ja Rule, uh, people, Run DMC, Ice T, Crush Groove. Oh, oh, I forgot Ice T, man. You got can't be Ice T. <laughs> Ice T is like I made a song about killing cops. Now I play one on TV. <laughs> and goddamn it, he, he he tricked them folk. <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. Kilo, so you have any more questions? Yeah, I do. Oh, go ahead. So I was going to explain real quick. So I got a studio. So I'm an audio engineer as well as a producer um, out here. But I got my own studio, my own recording booth, everything out on set. But I was just wondering more as a producer, as an audio engineer, not necessarily a rapper or nothing like that. What can I do to kind of get my reach out there? You know, I worked with a lot of these Empire cats, like T. Wee, Young Alfie, you know, all them crest niggas, you know, uh, Safaleo, a couple Safaleo artists. Uh, they got some Richmond folks, you know, Yench Mob, uh, really talented individuals, but I want to be able to get my reach out there and play a bigger role. Especially, I already got my own stuff, you know? <laughs> so. Let me say this. Yeah. One of the secrets I told Zay when he got to Atlanta, he was a producer that was unknown. Mm-hmm. This is how he blew up in Atlanta. I say, Zay, put all your beats on a CD Make them some snippets good enough for a nigga to hear the whole beat and then go to the next beat. Press up 5,000 CDs and get them bitches out with your number. Man, from Ludacris to everybody got a hold to them beats and was like, who the fuck is this nigga with 25 beats on a fucking CD, nigga? And they instrumental with, and all they said, it didn't even have, matter of fact, they didn't even have no tags on them back then. And... The whole city got them beats. There's so many niggas rapped on them in the studio and got deals. He started getting all his publishing checks. Okay. So for you, I would say in 2022, a similar move to that would be to make instrumental CDs that you load up as instrumentals before you sell them bitches to somebody. Them bitches being monetized and then make your YouTube channel with, and every beat you make, you say, a uh, 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 Drake type beat or this nigga all famous names right yeah the famous name gets you in the algorithm automatically but the name doesn't it's not copywritten so when you say Whitney Houston type beat or Beyonce type beat but it's a beat you made the name the name goes in the algorithm and you automatically start getting you automatically start getting traction right yeah. Um, by you registering your beat through Empire, when you load them up on YouTube, you automatically start getting your your residual per per click. So until a nigga buy your beat, once they buy the beat, all you do is clear the beat, but your instrumental is still named whatever you fuck you named it. But 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 as far as you as a producer, you come with a hot name that's gonna be your brand. Such and such volume one, such and such volume two. You got 20, 30, 40 beats on that motherfucker. Then you got somebody, if it's not you, that take your beats, make a cover to that motherfucker and load them up on YouTube, on a brand new YouTube channel that you about to start monetizing once you get to your 2,000 subscribers. You know, now you in a position to start monetizing. And um, um, I'm also getting, find you a cameraman that can do some filming 
if you find a cameraman, I don't care if it's your nephew, I don't care if you use the iPhone like I did when I start making my movies. At a certain point, I use the iPhone for them fucking movies. If you do that, some of them rappers, right, that you know, mm-hmm. you find, you come up with a little storyline. You ain't got to write a script, a storyline of something that you can shoot in like two, three, four days, right? It could be 20 minutes long, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. And it's artists that's not known yet that's doing some movie scenes. For instance, I'm making my movie called Nairobi Rap Game. And it's a movie about niggas struggling in the independent game out here, the same way I made the movie with Young Thug and them out there and all the rappers in Atlanta. Now I'm doing it with the rappers in this city. And my first episode, it's gonna be probably 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes long. And I'm putting the artist, my new artist, in the film. All the beats it's gonna be played is beats that's registered. Yeah. you can do this same thing if you just find a dedicated cameraman that know how to edit. And in one day, you can have a 10, 20 minute little film off one fucking day. So let me scratch that three day shit. Think about shooting from the morning to the night at whatever time you want to finish. One day, doing multiple scenes, getting in the car, out the car, on the block, in the studio. Show what life could be like in one day and you filming everything in real time. When that nigga edit that bitch and you put your beats behind it, you helping the artist, you helping yourself. It's your concept, it's your idea, you putting yourself out there. Visually is the fastest way to get the attention. If you the first nigga that could put sack niggas in a quick little film, you gonna blow right up overnight. Overnight, not a music video. Some niggas shoot a video for two, three days. No, nigga, these is just scenes. This ain't no fucking music video. It might be you waking up in the morning, getting a call. That's the first scene. Ah. And it's a rapper talking about some type of problem. All right, bro, meet me at the studio. Your second scene already finna happen. You going to the studio. Your second scene really is you driving to the studio, stopping at the gas station, stopped at the store real quick. Man, by the time you do these little ass scenes, at the end of the day, you'll be like, damn, that nigga JT just showed me a secret. Nigga, I really got a movie in one day. No acting. All the scenes is improv, and the scenes is conversations and situations that add to your story. All right, this going to be about the day when I wake up and I, you know, I come across four artists I fuck with, and each one of these niggas got some type of problem. This goddamn it, he going through it with his baby mama. This nigga PO looking for him. This nigga owe me for studio time. This, something so simple as that will be yeah. entertainment and a valuable tool and product for you or any nigga who follow that. That's how I started Trap Licks. I say I got more famous making movies. I end up making 25 movies in Atlanta. Damn. They thought I was from Atlanta. Man, you really him. <laughs> I got That's it. dope. That's dope. Yo, JT, man, I like. To, I thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, man. And I, I really appreciate all the game that you spit. Because if people going to listen to this and they don't follow anything you say, they don't really want it. You know what I'm saying? They don't fucking want they, it. They don't bro. want it. You know what I'm saying? So I, before I end it, man, is there any shout outs that you want to send to anybody? Man, I want to shout out. I want to shout out the hoods of America, man. I want to shout the hoods out for helping me to to uh, learn the hood life. 
for supporting my music, for giving me an opportunity to have a platform, to have a voice, you know, um, and that's many neighborhoods. So I wouldn't really say one specific shout out, but I would definitely say, you know, well, one person I want to shout out, I got to say his name, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Shout out to him for the Million Man March, October 16, 1995. Two million black men made Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and all they staff leave the White House. They were scared to death. They thought we <laughs> yes. scared to death. So I want to yeah, shout him out. Kilo just sent me a video of some dude. He saved somebody, and the police let him, like, give a speech, and he took his shirt off, and it said, destroy, like, white supremacy. And he was like, listen, black folks, he said, riots work. And I was like, yes, yes. Oh, no, I've seen that. i just <laughs> yes. seen that. That shit was funny as hell. <laughs> funny. He's like, I, I don't fuck with like, y'all. Get, get this nigga out of here, man. No, the cop gave him a fist bump. He's like, he's like, we'll catch you later. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Kilo, you yeah. got any shout-outs? Man. Huge shout out to everybody doing that thing. Uh, huge shout out to JT, you know what I'm saying, for taking his time out of his day. I know you're a really busy, man. And, um, and shout out to you, D Magluna, man, doing your damn thing. Yeah, thank uh, you too, bro. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And once again, uh, th- shout out to K Stanley and Rosie. They could not be here today. Uh, once again, if you like the sounds that you hear in the background, please do not hesitate to hit up legendary producer Kilo Keys on the track. Once again, I am D Maguno. I'm Kilo Keys on the track. And we had JT the bigger figure in the building. We'll see y'all next week. You're welcome to the nightly strange, 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 strange. Thanks, God.